listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenologyclub. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay trippy. Hello, welcome to Thursday evening. This is Phenomenology Club, and I am Buttress, aka Bethany, which means House of Poverty, (laughs) from New Jersey. Um, I'm here tonight to shock and amaze. Basically, um, earlier today, just, 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 just the other moment, I don't know what, oh, I do know how, actually, I'll tell you. Actually, wait, no, no. What I want to talk about tonight is edgelordism, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. I want to talk about edgelords, more specifically, how edgelordism is enacted as artistic practice. Um, and speaking of artistic practice, I just wanted to pose a question, um, to anyone out here, even though, as has already been established, This podcast series is not art because I said it is not art. Even though some people insist it is art, we still haven't decided whether or not it is in actuality. But regardless, there is an art of arguing, an art of orating. And I would like some feedback from anybody who listens. If you've listened to like three or more of these, that's my threshold I'm putting on you. If you've listened to a few of these, can I get some feedback? Do you appreciate the format? Uh, do you appreciate the art of the arguments? Because um, somebody earlier today said that I get tangential. And I'm a person who takes criticism to heart because I want to be the best fucking artist ever. So if this is true, I want to address it. And I think I understand the criticism. I think especially in some of these discussions as I'm interacting live with a YouTube chat. um, Sometimes I read the chat when I really shouldn't and the argument becomes halted. Which I imagine might give somebody who is hanging on the edge of their seat as I make all these logical soul crushing arguments. Some sort of uh, philosophical blue balls when I'm about to get to a point and instead I read some comment from the chat that's like, by the way, you're gay, buttress. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're gay. So, do you agree with that? Also, you think it should be shorter? I don't listen to podcasts really, and when I do, it'll be like one isolated podcast, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not really sure what's like standard, what's supposed to be a good podcast. Like a thing like background music, for example. Is this something that like good 
popular podcasts have, especially in this kind of format, when it's just one singular voice speaking by themselves into the void. I don't know. If you if you hear this on YouTube, because I believe that's probably the only place you could make a comment that I would read it, please, if you love me, tell me about uh, what you think about this stuff. But anyway, I want to speak about edgelords, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Most of these uploads have some sort of impetus uh, for why they exist, obviously. <laughs> that's so ridiculous forget it but um so today i got a notification on youtube and i was clicking around the youtube world that die and put out a new video and i was like okay let me click that because you know i'm someone who has clicked die and videos in the past and i uh wanted to check it out so i clicked it and i watched some of it i don't have uh, the best attention span for such things these days. Um, I watched some of it. I watched a bunch of it. And I felt like it was kind of just like, bleh. Try hard, whatever. Like, bleh. I mean, I know that guy, the rapper, has, um, come under a lot of controversy recently for his bad behaviors. Um, and I felt like they were trying to address some of these, like, uh narratives that he well both of them have become criticized for it felt like very explicitly as you're watching this video like okay they think that this doing this is going to like alleviate this problem that they've come under criticism for and doing this and doing that whatever and like i think the guy didn't even have a verse on it right did you guys see that shit i i that was like a thing <laughs> That's like an artistic statement. Him not saying anything. If you're going to criticize me, I'm just not even going to speak, huh? Take that. I'm just going to be here and stare at the camera and you're going to miss me. How much do you miss me? I didn't miss him at all. I thought the other guy that did the stuff did better stuff than the other guy usually does. So, fuck it. This should be the new band. Anyway, the point I'm getting at is I was talking about this in Phenomenology Club, our Discord server, which anybody who's a member of the Patreon for only $1 a month has full unrestricted access to, to hear me fucking ramble about dumb shit, even dumber than this shit, all day long. Um, we are talking about Dianthid, and um, I basically said at a certain point, you know what, Dianthid, they're kind of just like... Uh, they're just kind of like, they just kind of like follow the blueprint that mindless self-indulgence created in a way. And then I, I was like, do I believe this? Cause I said this, do I believe this? So I clicked around and was re-listening to some mindless self-indulgence music and the album that I've put a, a thumbnail of in the thumbnail uh, Frankenstein Girls Will Seem Strangely Sexy. This album, like, seriously changed my life. In high school, I swear, this shit, like, formed my personality in many ways. And I was re-listening to this album, I'm like, dude, this album rules! And also, I stand by what I said about Dianfed. <laughs> Even down to, like, the, like, uh, 50-50 split between, like, male and female characters. MSI did that shit too, huh? Right? If I'm not mistaken. I mean, I think they've had uh, alternating people, whatever. But the idea came to me, too, because uh, someone I was speaking with in Phenomenology Club kind of seemed to put forth the idea that, like, they appreciate Dianthid 
uh, because like even though the music is not amazing they're sort of like humorous or something you know uh, in a way that I think a lot of people find like shocking you know they're intentionally provocative and all this hold on I need to take a sip of a beverage because I'm gay <laughs> Excuse me, sorry, I'm gay. So anyway, <sighs> goddamn. So I was listening to this mindless self-indulgence album. I'm like, oh, this is so good. And I, uh, I was listening to that song that they have, "Panty Shot," which you hardcore MSI fans will know is like this demo. I guess I don't think it ever had like an official studio version. I think there's only a demo version, and also like, um a live recording of it or something um and this song is essentially like talking about like i don't even know what i'm allowed to say on youtube i mean the song's on youtube so i must be allowed to describe it it's basically a song like describing looking up a five-year-old girl's skirt and that sounds so like fucking atrocious right and you listen to this song and the lyrics are like I mean, they're insane. Of course, they're offensive. Like, this content cannot not be offensive. But I was speaking to someone in the chat about how I feel like this uh, can actually be, like, such a powerful idea, this use of shock in your art. I feel like the way Mindless Self-Indulgence does this in particular, too, like, they really have this sort of, I think... It becomes masterful on some songs more than others but they seem to have this approach to making music on this album especially which i was listening to and feeling very emotional and remembering the nostalgia of listening to this in high school which are very formative years for many of us when we're you know coming into ourselves and dealing with all sorts of self-confidence issues and insecurities and all this i feel like MSI has this really interesting dichotomy that they create in their music where like they will like create genuine emotion and really like <sighs> pull my fucking heartstrings with these melodies and these lyrics and then on a lot of these songs you know they'll build up this emotional intensity this sadness and then they'll be like and I'm gay <laughs> fuck my ass you know which in thinking about i'm like wow first of all i mean it's just a great uh artistic device i think the the good old switch it on them you know this is found in so many instances and applications you establish a mood you really build that mood you build it up to a point of almost near explosion and then boom you pull the rug out from under them and totally flip the mood and give them something else doesn't have to be like shock or like you know sadness versus something shocking or whatever it can be all sorts of things that you flip the mood on flip the script right there but i feel like msi does this a lot you know they build up this like emotional intensity that feels very genuine and then it's just like and i'm a faggot you know it's like damn oh sorry um that word might be said because many of these songs have this title in it um 
Mary Francis, I know I just said I should not read the chat when I'm talking, but this this is an important idea I do want to address. Mary Francis just said, is it actually good or do you just feel nostalgic about it? I actually was thinking as I was re-listening to this album, I was thinking I wish I could have the experience of listening to this for the first time as an adult because listening to it, I genuinely feel like I can identify parts of it that I think are aesthetically maybe like dated or kind of like, I don't want to say corny but corny in a way at least like in the realm of my current music taste I wouldn't call it like corny corny I mean speaking of corny and like corn is literally my favorite band uh which is not ironic some of my appreciation for them is ironic but I think some of them is th their uh art is sort of corny in a way just because it's become so like dated you know but I still absolutely appreciate them uh, in a serious way, even though I find much of what they, of their artistic output to be kind of absurd, you know, the outfits, the fucking, all this shit. I think MSI has a similar thing going on, you know, some of these things are dated and might appear sort of corny to us as adults, but also I think a lot of the tracks are genuinely, uh, interesting, and some of them I think have really, they, they are, they meet a standard that, of excellence, or at least close to it that I still uh, align with, you know, like the song, uh, I think it was Masturbates I was listening to, or maybe it was, let me scroll up, there was one song I was like, you know what, this is like very well composed, I mean, every track on that album is a banger, let's just be real, some bang harder, but, um, Yeah, it was Masturbates. I wish I could play some of it on here, but YouTube will probably fucking do something. I don't know. I mean, I don't get monetized on here, but they might just, like, pull it or something. Be like, Columbia has banned your fucking video because you're gay or something. So, fuck that. Um, what am I getting at? Yeah, so, back to this idea. This idea of shock. You know, when listening to this song, Panty Shot, like, it's it's hard to describe because a lot of the lyrics almost, they're so facetious, incredibly facetious. I think it's hard for people to rationalize that, like, they are treating this kind of content, this truly dark and disturbing content, uh, in a way that is respectful of the reality that a lot of people, like go through these sort of dramatic circumstances traumatic circumstances that are being described in this song but that's part of why i feel like msi really was able to gain an audience with a lot of kids that were genuinely troubled were genuinely victims of abuse were genuinely smoking meth at age 13 like i feel like they their fan base is probably or was at least for uh you know those of us who are a little older and remember, uh, the, their fan base was crazy. <laughs> and they were crazy. I mean, they, they still are crazy. I believe they still make music. Um, and, Mary, you said this, and I think that this is, this is something I, I'm, I should talk about. Uh, you say, you think shock stuff can be hella corny, but some are close to excellence. I absolutely agree. Like, this is the idea that I'm thinking of here. Like, I feel like with great risk, 
not to be cliche, but let's just be cliche for a second because I don't give a fuck because I'm going to shock you. I'm going to shock and amaze you. With great risk comes great reward, right? I think that that's corny as fuck as well, but it's oftentimes true. You know, like you can make a great risk and um, you can either like, I feel like, you're, if you take a great risk, if you fail, you will fail harder. But if you succeed, you, my brothers, my sisters, will reach new heights. And it's funny um, to say a song again. Uh, there's a song by Korn called Faggot that I uh, listen to, a mix listening to this mindless self-indulgence song. I don't know how many of you are familiar with this, but I was thinking about this exact idea that you just said. Like, listen to that song. That song could fail so hard, even to listen to the words. Like, the execution of that song could, like, it could fail so fucking hard, you know? But I feel like that song, too, is done in such a way where, like, you feel that Jonathan Davis is, like, sharing something personal with you, you know? And apparently this is true. Like, he's sharing a story of abuse on that song, you know? And it's hard to imagine when you, like, sit here reading the lyrics or he hearing the famous fucking reprise from that song where just him screaming over and over again these lyrics that many will find shocking. Um... Um, then, you know, ugh, I just lost, see, this is why I can't look at the chat, I just looked for a second. Um, shocking, shocking. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to rationalize, but it's done, in my opinion, in a way that I find to be excellent, uh, because it does relate to me, the audience member, witnessing this thing, that he is not simply just saying these words, or, you know, having these lyrics about this dark, disturbing content because he just wants to be crazy and we're going to piss everybody off, you know? I think that's a component of it. But I also think that, um, I think that it becomes a useful artistic device when you can tell that this person is also speaking from a place of pain and experience themselves. Especially here with this kind of thing, I think it creates such an interesting aesthetic um i see you guys are fighting already i want to know about what because i'm curious even though i said i wouldn't look at the chat i'm going to look wiley says shock only works when you're not trying to shock if you try then it becomes corny and mary disagrees hmm i think i disagree as well you know because like i mean i would have to right because i'm putting forth this idea right here that i think mindless self-indulgence's album is actually in many ways excellent for how it does this how it incorporates shock into its content and its lyricism to create a very unique aesthetic that i think is very successful for the most part i don't think it necessarily works on every track or in every application i think some of them fail and fall short of their intended goal but like this album clearly it's trying to shock like come on <laughs> i mean the fucking title is about necrophilia pretty much you know like every song like at least has like some gay slur or like something about abuse or molestation or drugs or like anything you know like this album clearly was meant to shock and to offend but i also think that like because of this subject matter which i think did intrigue a lot of people you know also i think that i think it does a service too to the content that they're trying to talk about you know because these people 
I think the artists of these uh, tracks in particular we're speaking about, they also have their own histories with shit that's happened in their lives and you feel it. And I was talking to somebody in Phenomenology Club too about this. You know, it becomes like very irreverent and I think that's what's shocking, right? Like, it's not shocking that they're talking about things like pedophilia on this album you know that's supposed to be almost like party bangers it's not shocking that they're talking about it it's shocking that they're talking about it with this incredibly irreverent facetious kind of seeming attitude right and i was thinking about this and i'm like isn't isn't humor here in this circumstance not like implicitly but i feel like humor and irreverence in this circumstance is almost like it's almost like a claiming of power, you know? Like, if you undergo something so traumatic, if you experience, like, something so horrific, like, doesn't it become almost like you're asserting dominance over your own circumstance if you then, like, make some ridiculous fucking joke about it? It's not that it's funny, you know? It's not funny to you, obviously. Obviously, I can I can hear your fucking pain. Or at least I think I can. Maybe I'm just projecting because I don't know anything. But <laughs> but I feel like humor in uh, the realm of like this kind of thing and on this album especially becomes uh, it just like complicates the uh, aesthetic even more in a way that I feel makes it even more successful. It becomes like powerful. It's like a claiming of your own autonomy. I think that's true for a lot of these kinds of things that I find to be successful. Wiley says, South Park creators and John Waters are good examples. Comedians who are trying to be funny. It just so happens that what they find is shocking. Well, I agree with you. Let's talk about this for a second. Because I definitely think that shock is a thing that basically affords instant gratification, right? If an artist wants to have some sort of response from their audience, wants someone to talk about what the fuck uh, they're making, you know that you'll likely be able to do that if you get on stage and say something that you know is gonna piss everyone off or put a scene in your movie that you know will piss everyone off you know in that way it's kind of like a gimmick and not only is it a gimmick it's something like you can literally see how it's working you can see why they do this like oh i'm gonna do this and everyone's gonna talk about it you know and then beyond that like there's so many edgelords that like even <laughs> They, like, philosophize so hard about what they're doing. It's like, you're not even doing that. Like, I always think of um, Milo Yiannopoulos, um, that guy, that guy with the hair. Uh, it, remember when he came out? I don't even know if I could call him an edgelord just because I feel like he doesn't exist in the demographic where I feel like edgelords, I say, typically exist. I don't even know. Like, the whole thing he's doing is just some other shit. But either way, I remember when he came out, he like did all these interviews and was like <laughs> trying to rationalize for interviewers. They would be like, Milo, like he, he's such a provocateur, like he's so provocative. He's always inciting his audience to anger and stuff. And he tried to sound like so deep about it. Like, well, actually, I think that it's a very useful tool for getting your message out because people, people just don't respond to, you know, mediocre messages. You want to rile up the crowds. You have to say something shocking. You have to get them to pay attention to you. And that starts conversation. Like, oh, everyone's a bunch of fucking brain dead zombies, right? And you just have to zap them with your fucking taser or whatever the fuck and wake them up, right? You're shaking them up, right? Right? He's waking up all the sheep, man. 
Like, suck my dick, you fucking guy with the hair. I don't care about you. So I understand this criticism, you know, and especially all of this is especially relevant, uh, you know, right now where we have all these comedians coming out to be like, uh, uh, PC culture is ruining my comedy. I can't just make like a beating wife joke anymore and like this or that. It's like, no, it's just not funny. <laughs> it's been done before. But also, 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 I will say. I haven't heard any convincing arguments from any of these comedians because a lot of them, or most of them maybe, maybe one or two, but I would say for the most part, I haven't really heard anything I found compelling or moved by when these comedians are out here complaining about how, you know, they can no longer be shocking and shocking is a thing that, you know, artistically is useful in many instances and stuff. Um, but I do think that there is something to the idea not that they're putting forward, okay? Maybe some of them, I don't know. Like I said, I don't fucking know. But I do think, yeah, there is there is a bit of a culture, and I'm not going to deny it. You guys can deny it all you want, but uh, I do think that there's a culture where people are kind of like, can I say that? I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, so I'm just not gonna. Which sucks, because it's like, especially if you're a well-intentioned person and you want to try something adventurous, you know, and you don't mean it in a way that's malicious or something, but it's like, eh, I'm just not even gonna go there. It's like, meh. That sucks. I don't want people, I don't want to exist in an environment of art making or discourse where people want to say something, not because they want to be malicious, they genuinely want to say something or maybe ask a question, you know? I don't like, I don't want to exist in a culture where people are afraid to say something, you know? But that's not to say that, like, oh, and like this culture is why we'll never get another mindless self indulgence album like this, you know? Because I think that it's also true, like, this thing is great for when it came out, you know? It works in the context, it works in our memory of it. But, you know, if it came out right now, I don't think it would be received the same for good reason, you know? And part of that reason is that this happened already, you know? Art has to remain on a trajectory. That's kind of how I feel listening to these comedians go on and on about like i just wish we could do this and that it's like i mean yeah but like what if what if this culture didn't exist you have to visualize that as well like you probably wouldn't be getting laughs for these jokes either because they're the same jokes that we've heard for like three decades now guy come on it's 2019 bro get trippy just like make mouth noises that's hilarious that's what we should be doing we should be farther into that i'm glad that like i mean i don't really watch <laughs> comedy but i've seen some reggie watts stuff and i really like him uh because yeah he like makes baby noises and stuff that's hilarious that's what comedy should be just like staring at someone for like an hour and making baby noises or something i was laughing my ass off at whatever the fuck i saw i, I also was on a ton of mushrooms so <gasps> take that how you will but it was hilarious. I, I want more abstract stuff. That's what we do with art, right? We get more and more abstract. More and more abstract. Um. Hmm. I People are talking about the Joker in the chat. I haven't seen it yet. Was it good? I can't tell if you like it or don't like it. Um, so what do you guys think about this? You agree? You agree with my, uh, my thesis? And also, like, okay, I just said that, like, I don't think a thing like Frankenstein Girls will seem strangely sexy is going to come out again for good reason, not just because we're all afraid to say, faggot. 
excuse me um like because we also have to like move on but like that what would be shocking in today's context huh that's an idea if shock is perhaps a useful plot device what would a thing now be shocking i feel like most things that exist in the realm of like social politics like the kind of stuff we're hearing on this kind of album that i appreciate so much and also in a bunch of corn songs that i appreciate so much that would no longer be considered like things you would really want to release an album for and studios are gonna tell you to go fuck yourself anyway um like what what would be a thing now that's shocking i don't think people are going to be shocked by like you know various slurs various this various that or can we think of an example i'm trying to think of something that's come out and was shocking hmm i feel like something exists not in too distant memory oh my god you said a pedophile hero don't that would be shocking but like i just really wouldn't want to go there because i know a lot of people would genuinely rally behind it and i'm not ready for that just like let me die first then everyone can go have fun with that like i cannot interact with that that but you know you're absolutely right that would be shocking oh that would fuck people up damn how'd you just pull that out of your ass like that i'm mad that you even said that oh but also it's like i think it would be successful because people would genuinely rally around it you know like i i don't think if it was purely shocking people would rally around it because that's the thing to consider too in our current context if you make a thing that's too shocking people will instantly hate it is that how it's always worked probably a little but not to this extent you know i feel like in our current culture you make a thing that truly upsets people they're going to tear you down you know but then of course you know you're talking about the joker movie in here then of course there'll be a a whole horde a whole army of people ready to defend you so i think depending on what the thing is you know i mean it's undeniable as well that this culture where uh we are arguably uh going crazy almost like a game i don't want to even like moralize this too much like we're killing free speech i mean i believe in many ways we are compromising the ideas behind free speech in very sinister ways that have nothing to do with fucking comedy it's much deeper than that shit can i go on a tangent real quick before i forget this is what i want to say about free speech okay because this is something i think a lot of you motherfuckers aren't thinking about when you're out here begging fucking social media platforms these multi-billion corporations to kick that guy off kick that guy off kick that guy off all these kinds of arguments that you're making as you grovel to the fucking social media overlords to remove fucking infowars accounts from twitter and shit these arguments are being co-opted by our very own government to make arguments for why we can do things now like convict michelle carter of manslaughter for telling her boyfriend in a text message to kill himself and I know it's easy for a lot of people not to care because she's just a teenage girl from suburbia or whatever. And they're like, whatever, fuck her. She shouldn't have done that to her boyfriend. It's going to be you next. There's already another woman uh, who's recently caught manslaughter charges because she was, quote unquote, ab abusive to her boyfriend. I don't know why I said, quote unquote. I think when you read the story, it's obviously true. She was a or is was i mean he's he's gone now she was abusive as fuck to this man she was like calling him like a thousand times a month and shit like 
all this stuff. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. And he ended up killing himself. But does that mean she should get manslaughter charges? Like, where where are we going to draw the line with a thing like that? If the government is now going to say that, like, your literal words can can kill somebody essentially or at least enough to land you with a manslaughter charge because of text messages like you really want to keep supporting this kind of culture where we're just like kick them off kick them off kick them off kick that off the government is exploiting this attitude and um what's gonna happen next soon they're gonna be like well if you say anything if you say anything we think is harmful at all that's going to be like preemptive m murder or something, you know, like if you call me gay or fat, uh, you're trying to murder me with your words. So that's what I had to say about free speech. Fuck, I forgot where I was going with that. <sighs> I got upset. Let me read, 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 let me read. Delilah. I think shock is very variable depending on who it's shocking to. That's so true. That's absolutely true. Um, and I think that also, you know, this point has become such a variable in these sorts of discussions in our current reality. Because to think about, like, this mindless self-indulgence album, which is the, uh, you know, thing I keep referencing for this argument. Did it really target demographics? Like, I think at the time, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't as smart back then. I was a little, little kid. But I think at the time, like, these sorts of, uh, demographics wars, I guess you could call them, probably didn't look like they do now, you know? Back then, like, you say the F word or some other word, uh, you'll offend individuals but i think likely and i don't know for sure but i think likely like mindless self-indulgence making this album wasn't like we're gonna piss off the gays and we're gonna piss off women and we're gonna piss off this demographic you know what i mean like i don't think they anticipated like this faction of people i think that's probably a thing that has changed a lot in our current reality that groups have sort of found each other i guess and They've found a voice on things like the internet because the internet is structured in such a way where you can have a voice that if you say something that pisses off the gays, the gays can rise together like a marvelous army of gays and fuck you up. You know, I don't think that existed so much in the past. So, like, when you think about things like shock, yeah, it'll shock this or that demographic. But maybe the artist conceptualized it more as, like, I'm shocking individuals. You hear it. Because you have to also think back in the day, like, what was a fucking... What was, like, feedback for, like, I don't even know, a thing like an Andrew Dice Clay stand-up, you know? What are they going to do? An interview five people on the street and, like, play those interviews before Jay Leno or something? Like, how'd you feel about Andrew Dice Clay? Like, and, like, some feminist's like, I hate it. And then some other woman's like, it's great. And then some other guy's like, I love that shit. You know, it's like that was the feedback. <laughs> like, you don't have, like, think pieces and, like, things going viral and stuff. You have, like, random guys that have worked at the New York Times for fucking ever. Like, this is why I think everyone's wrong about Andrew Dice Clay. And you know what? I'm in the newspaper. <laughs> and you're not. So, I'll never know what you have to say. If you have anything to say, 
you can't say it to me. You have to keep it in your head. I'll never hear it, you know? People used to write letters back then. I can't believe you said this. I can't believe you said you like Andrew Dice Clay. Stand up. Andrew Dice Clay is someone I would like to do a discussion about one day in length, in, in great length. I have interesting feelings on him. I personally am a fan, but I'm also the only, one of the only people who seems to be in the mindset that, like, he's completely, like, subversive and hates his fucking audience and is, like, berating them. I've been told multiple times now that, no, he's actually, like, a douchebag and he's a really, like, not, or he was, not a nice person in real life. But you know what? Prove it. That's what I gotta say. I'll, I have to look deeper. That's why I'm not gonna say anything about this. I'll be crushed. I haven't looked deeper because I don't want to know. Because some of Andrew Dice Clay's stuff is so good to me because he does the thing that I was just describing in the beginning of this upload. The fucking good old switch it on him. Andrew Dice Clay will like give you like the most fucking bro hard dumbass Budweiser yuck yuck like bitches are hot humor ever. And then all of a sudden be like... I'm standing over here now. I was just standing over there, now I'm standing over here. And the audience like looks at him like, what? What is this guy talking about? Like he's on some like super deep phenomenological shit all of a sudden, one second ago he was talking about titties. Like, he, and he always does this. He does this over and over in his stand-up routines and I find it to be incredibly intriguing. So it's hard for me to visualize that this man is not on some other shit, you know? Unless, like, maybe he has some sort of a brain condition where he literally loses his shit and just blops out and becomes deep <laughs> and then blops out and, and thinks titties are funny again. That doesn't seem likely. The first piece of comedy I actually ever heard that I thought was truly great and made me want to get into comedy at least a little bit was that Andrew Dice Clay bit um, about the hour back. <laughs> get it? Our Beck uh, in that piece, The Day the Laughter Died, which was like a, a comedy stand-up performance, I believe, that was like produced by Rick Rubin. They put it out as some studio release, and basically the point of the piece was to get the audience to hate him and to leave. And it starts out kind of normal with this kind of bro humor, and eventually like, it gets more and more absurd to the point where he's just saying nonsensical phrases, and he completely, he completely abstracts and deconstructs the form of the joke until there's nothing left. It's like the Big Bang, the opposite. Going an hour back. Get it? <laughs> oh, God. Wiley says, MSI were probably just trying to make something that entertained them, if I were to make a guess. I don't believe this is true at all. I do not believe this is true. Um, I don't know how you other people feel. Feel free to give some feedback. Um, but I don't believe this is true for many reasons. And of course, my perspective is limited here because I am only one person. But like for myself, I was introduced to MSI from to <laughs> by... God, I can't use words. But this girl from church, actually, Jenny. Jenny was so fucking cool. She was, like, so goth. And, like, she would always fuck with me. She was older than me. She wore those awesome UFO pants, remember, from Hot Topic? With, like, the big fucking jean shits and stuff. And she was just so cool. Like, she would wear cat ears and shit, too. Someone else I was talking to on Twitter said the person that introduced them to MSI wore cat ears. Jenny definitely had those. I'm pretty sure they both probably got them from Hot Topic or something. She was cool as fuck, and she was very troubled 
for many reasons. Um, she's passed away since. It sucks. But she, like, had a very troubled existence. And, like, she introduced me to MSI and to all this kind of music. Also, Korn. And I feel like she personally was drawn to it for reasons like what we were describing earlier, you know. Like, these people are talking about this dark kind of, like, shit that's so, like, heavy. And it seems to, I think, many outside perspectives to be like, why are they making this shit? It's disgusting. And this is fucked up. But I feel like their message and their music really did resonate with a group of young kids especially who had hard lives themselves you know and were dealing with things like addiction and being abused by authority figures and all sorts of things you know and there's a reason I think they were drawn to it for one I think that it gave them a sense of agency to be able to join in with MSI like I was saying before and find some sort of irreverent attitude that they could have towards their own life circumstance, you know? I think that, that it wasn't just shock. It was shock with a purpose. And like Mary said before, you know, this can be incredibly successful if done well. It can also fail. It can also totally crash and fail. We should try to think of people that have crashed and failed for just being, I'm crazy. I know, I have an example. You know what I think is a failure? That movie Boondock Saints. I fucking hate that movie. Has anyone even seen it? I feel like when it came out, or not even, but there was a while where people always like, have you seen Boondock Saints? I feel like that had so much like, it's shocking, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm just like, oh, this sucks. Every other second, it's like, bleh, I'm shocking you, bleh. I don't give a fuck. Uh, the Vienna Actionists are a very popular uh, artistic movement. This was like a big movement in the 70s, especially like Marina Abramovic came to prominence around this time, um, you know, when she had her piece. Oh, what's it called? We looked it up together. Rhythm Zero, I believe, where, you know, people held a knife to her. Somebody cut her. Someone held a loaded gun to her head. People were writing degrading things on her naked body, all this. It was shocking. The Vienna Actionists also existed around this time uh, from Austria, and they were literally running around butt naked shitting on stuff. <laughs> what about um, Vito Acconci? Oh, I can't stand Vito Acconci. He's a perfect example. What's that piece? Seedbed? No, I'm Vito Acconci. I'm a creepy Italian man under the floorboards masturbating to people in the gallery. Like, guy! 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 I fucking hate you, Vito Acconci. I think he's dead. If he's not dead, Vito Acconci, I'm gonna kick your ass. You're probably like 90 years old, so it'll be super easy, bitch. How's that for shocking? Masturbate under my floorboards, I dare you. Honestly, if I went to that piece, I would definitely try to interact with it. I kind of miss the fact that this culture of ridiculous performance art is not around anymore. Because if it still was, I mean, it tries to be, sure. Uh, and I participate sometimes <laughs> in various ways. Um, but it, this the culture doesn't really exist so much anymore. If it did, I would just interact with this, you know. If a thing like Vito Acconci's piece were going out, I would, I would literally rip up the floorboards or something. Because for one, it would be hilarious. And for two... The, the, the gallery people are going to be like, whoa, is this art too? Whoa. I'm surprised it didn't happen more. I think back in the day, people were just still so shocked. Like, where is he? Where's Vito? Oh, he's under the floorboards masturbating? Oh, okay. Uh, people probably went to the gallery and didn't know what to expect. And they're like, okay. You know. 
sell shit. I guess I can't say I would rip up the floorboards, but I would try to go ready, you know, like ready. Like whatever's going on, I'm going to fuck with it. I'm going to fuck it up. I mean, I could think on the spot. I just thought of that real, real quick. Just rip up the fucking floorboards. Bring a hammer. And if you can't find one, I'm sure one of the sculptures lying around will function as one. And then it will be double art. That would be triple art, actually. That's three arts in one. Oh, and then you add another. Oh, no. You know what? It could be. I would say it could be up to five arts in one. You know how many art points is that? A lot of fucking art points. Speaking of art points being shocking, we talked about this multiple times now, but how do you guys feel about Banksy shredding his piece, huh? Uh, I think some people found that to be shocking. I mean, I kind of was in the sense that it felt like a joke, and I wouldn't say it was shocking. It was more surprising, like, ooh, delight. <laughs> but, you know, the novelty I felt quickly wore off just because it's Banksy. It's like, eh. It would have been funnier if it was, like, literally someone no one's ever heard of. Especially if it was, like, some artist. They were like, they finally caught their big break, you know? <laughs> and then they just, like, destroyed it. But it would have been funnier, too, if they punched it. I don't know what's up with the scan or whatever. I want to become a famous painter just so, like, you know, I can have my big debut at the Met. They'll be like, wow, undiscovered from New Jersey. Like, no one's ever heard of it. This is her first sale. I'll be like, thanks. I'll just punch the painting and destroy it. They'll be like, oh, my God, the art. I can't take all the art. Blah. All right, like I said, I'm keeping these shorter. We're at 43 minutes. I'm leaving at 45. I felt like I said enough. I think I maybe even sound more like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just listening to myself as I was talking. I'm like, you know, I do sound ridiculously kind of grandiose, these kinds of claims I'm making to what uh, a group like MSI is trying to achieve. But honestly, that uh, description is born from my experience. Of course, I don't know for sure what they were trying to achieve, but I think that many people feel this way. I don't know if you guys agree, but I related so much to this album. In many ways, yes, I found I found a lot of uh, excitement in the fact that it was just shocking, you know, because it feels rebellious. Like, my mom would kill me if she knew what I was listening to. Um, and also, like, oh, my classmates would be scared, and, like, the, the normies and the jocks, <laughs> they would hate it, you know? There's definitely, like, fun in the shock and the rebellion in and of itself, but also, I think that the intensity and the refusal to hold back in speaking about some of these incredibly dark, uncomfortable topics also is a powerful a thing for people who might relate to these sorts of experiences and then use this kind of music and art as a, a source of empowerment um so basically it's been about 45 minutes remember uh i need feedback give me some feedback about this format in general um shit yeah, I think that's it. I'm going to stop. I'm going to cut myself off. I want to hang out forever. Also, can you give me a like a thumbs up? Because YouTube got like math going on. And if you give a thumbs up earlier, like the YouTube world will be like, well, we see it. Oh, see, I see one right there. Yeah, give me those likes. Give me those thumbs. Give me that. Anyway, I love you all. Uh, also, I'm on Spotify. Just so all you YouTube people know, you better go listen to that. And, um... Oh, by the way, go listen to this album if you never have. I showed it. Actually, someone asked me earlier. Let me just keep talking, being annoying for one more second. Someone asked me earlier if I feel like um, I would, if I actually like it or only like it through my nostalgia. I did show it to somebody who had never heard it before or heard of MSI, and they love it. 
today literally today i showed it to them they love it uh and they went and got the full album they were like dude i've never heard this this rules so you know it's not a useful control because it's not me uh but just saying adults who have never heard this thing i'm sure many of you could find some sort of satisfaction in it even if you find some of it to be dated or something but anyway love you all stay edgy don't cut yourself on that edge brah goodbye